it's been a week, and it's only Thursday. And uh, I am continuing to live in the things the Lord has been speaking to us since Sunday. I don't know if any of you uh, tuned in and saw or watched, listened to the ministry in on the west side last night. Um, Bishop talked a little more, gave a little broader context to some things that he and I have been, many of us, I don't want to just say he and I, many of us have been drafted into, we got a taste of that Sunday in, in the ministry of the Word and Spirit of God. It is a kingdom work that God is doing. It is not a... It is not an individual work. This is, this is the danger. I, I think we're going to go somewhere in Scripture different, but I just got to, told you I got a lot stirring in my spirit. and We're connected, and I feel a responsibility to just share some of it with you before we just dive into the Word. Uh, I, we are connected, and, and we, we've talked about God setting us in the body, and we have place, we have function, we have part. And there's something about human nature um, that, there's a there's a statement there's a thing that's called anybody know the know the acronym FOMO. How many of you have ever heard FOMO? A few of you. Okay, I, I think Sister Kari said it. What is it? Yeah, it's fear of missing out. It, it's a it's a statement FOMO fear of missing out, and so it, it shows up in all kinds of places. The the place you see it a lot where it's used is in. Um, is in sales. Sales people or sales marketing will paint a picture that you might miss out. Okay, so they'll advertise something and they'll say, two days only. You ever seen that? Where they're, they're trying to get, there's this fear of missing out if you don't. Or if you've ever, uh, like, purchased airline tickets online, and you've gone and you've looked for the best, uh, the best uh, flight as far as the least expensive price, they'll show you a flight, and then they'll say, three left at this price. It will be right there under it. Anybody ever seen that? And what happens when you see that? Like, oh, man, should I wait another week, or should I just go ahead and buy it right now? Now, it doesn't say three left at this price, and then the price will drop. It doesn't say three left at this price, but ten others are still available for $5 more. right? But your mind sees three left at this price and thinks, there's only three left. Right? It's fear of missing out. So it, it plays on that. Well, th that's a real thing. That's a real thing. Some people feel like they got to be at everything because they're afraid if I don't show up at everything, I might miss something. Well, that could be true sometimes, especially in the work of the kingdom of God. You don't want to, you don't know what you might miss. But some people want to, and they don't, they don't get invited to a a birthday party. Or, stay with me here. They don't get invited to this or somebody else is there. There's this fear of missing out. And the sad thing is, social media really feeds into that. That's why people spend so much time on social media. I don't want to miss anything. Okay, I don't want to miss something that might have gotten communicated. Oh, so 
Oh, I didn't hear about that. Oh, did you hear? Oh, no, I didn't. So so they're afraid they're going to miss out. Well, that can be a very negative thing. And what a terrible way to live. If you and I are walking in the Spirit, we're not going to miss anything. We're not going to miss anything that we're supposed to be part of. And so here's the thing. God begins doing a work, and it's a kingdom work. You're saying, what does that have to do with what you... Just stay with me for a minute. God's doing a kingdom work, and he involves Brother Abel and Sister Yesenia in something. And they get engaged and involved, and we hear their testimony, and we're like, wow, I want to... How come I... I want to... Well, hold on a minute. It's okay. There's no fear of missing out. This was their place and their function. God had something that he opened to them as part of the body. I'm not going to start comparing. Oh, well, if they're doing it, I want to do it. Well, hold on. Maybe that's not my place. I don't have fear of missing out. Is this making sense? You got to guard yourself against that. Because it, what if you live with that mentality and it, the adversary will use it to manipulate you to where you always look at what somebody else is doing and go, oh, no, I want to. I know what I'm talking about. I've dealt with this sometimes. Like, can I, I'll just be really raw here. Like, man, this happened in the service in Puyallup. Man, I wish we could. Oh, I don't want to. Oh, I, it, it can come in many ways. A fear of missing out thing about that is it, it, it draws back to something we've talked a lot about. It can bring us back to a place of comparing or measuring among ourselves. Can't do that. It is a work of the Spirit. In the, it's a kingdom work God's doing right now. And all of us may have different places and parts and functions, and we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with that. I wonder if... Can you imagine Peter and John... When Mary came to them, Mary Magdalene, no less, the lady who had been delivered from seven devils, who had been a harlot, a prostitute, and Mary, this Mary, comes to them and says, Hey, I was at the tomb. Okay. Peter and John, left and right hand of God almost there, of Jesus in his earthly ministry, right? Peter was always right there with the sword. John was right there leaning on him. Peter and John, and now here's this woman that was a prostitute, had seven devils, and she says, I've been at the tomb. That's nice. Oh, no, there's more. He wasn't there. Uh Uh-oh, she's crazy again. You don't think anybody ever thought that? Oh, that woman again. No, no. I was there. And I have a message for you. Really? I can't wait to hear this. Now, I'm not saying Peter and John did that, but I'm just trying to tell you how our human nature works sometimes. Oh, 
John, she's got a message for us. Now, I know you and I would never, never consider somebody's past experiences and discount what they might say to us. And we would just say, this is the Lord, because, I mean, I'm just... Peter and John were human just like you and I, and here's this woman with this experience, and she comes to them and says, I was at the tomb, and he's not there, but I have a message for you. Okay, what's the message? I saw him, and he told me to come tell you. Is, that, is this what the word said? Can you imagine, Peter? Hold on, hold on, hold on. You mean he's alive? Yeah, he's alive, and he told me to tell you. Why did Jesus use this woman to come tell me a message? I know we would never wrestle with anything. And I'm sure Peter was just fine. Well, praise God. Thank goodness he got the message to me. Who cares who he used? I wonder what went through their mind. He was there. We missed him. The Bible says they ran towards the garden. Peter ran, and apparently John was a better athlete because the Bible says John ran ahead. Don't you know that was eating Peter up? Ah, he's going to get there before me. Ah, he's going to get, what if he sees something I don't see? Fear of missing out. You know what? The Lord knew what he was doing when Mary saw him first. She fulfilled her part, and Peter and John saw him in their place and time, and they were used to fulfill their part in the furthering of the gospel of Christ. But we sometimes fall in this trap. I got to be in the middle of everything. I got to be in the middle of everything. I got to be, I know that feeling. We should seek to be in the middle of everything God has for us to be involved in. But here's the thing. Peter and John needed Mary. Amen? They needed her. If without her, they don't get the message. They needed her. And so they had to come to peace with the fact, okay, God chose to do it this way. I don't need to be the one, John or Peter. Well, but I'm the one that leaned on him all the time. We were so close. I was sure we were so close. How come he would tell her and not me? How come it would? I I mean, we were so close. I'm just talking about human emotions that come into play sometimes that we have to push out, and we got to recognize, hold on, no, I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm accepted in the beloved. How and who he uses is his business. Thank God he used Mary to get a message to me. Thank God she was there at the time, and she was in the place that God had ordained for her, and God used her that way, and thank God the message got to me, and he clearly God was thinking of Peter, because and John, go tell him. We, uh, most of you saw the message I sent out in WhatsApp with the photo yesterday, right? Where I'd visited the church and what came of that, what I learned. Well, again, if you watched last night, 
in on the west side, Life Church West congregation. Bishop talked a little more about this, so I'll, in case you didn't, I'll give you Reader's Digest condensed version. Uh, we were in Lakewood Saturday morning at prayer with others from around the area, different spirit-filled believers, men and women of like precious faith. I counted there were at least four, if not five, different oneness apostolic organizations represented in that room. Uh, maybe not organizations, but churches that different affiliations, okay? Praying together, men and women of like precious faith. And so uh, we were coming back, and uh, Bishop had agreed to haul some furniture. And so he said, hey, would you want to help me go get that before you head out of town, you and, since your boys are with you? And I thought, this sounds like a project that could extend the day. And so I said, hey, why don't you boys take the truck back home? I'll ride with Bishop. And so Bishop and I went, went to Federal Way, picked up some furniture, loaded it up, and we were coming back. And uh, so I'm like, well, where are we taking this thing? So we're taking it to a house we've never been to in Yakima. We're delivering it. And so we drive down Fifth Avenue, and we head up Tyaton. And we, now, we've been in the truck together for three hours. We stopped and had lunch along the way, and we're, it, there's just flow nonstop. It's, it's nonstop for however long we're there. Just Anyway, and uh, so we pass and as we're going to this address, it's like he references a church there and says, man, they know, and yeah, see, and we go and drop off and go our ways. Well, Monday morning, I think it was, maybe it was Tuesday, that my week's been, just been going a lot. And uh, maybe it was Tuesday because I was somewhere between here and Olympia or in Olympia, I don't remember. Anyway, Bishop sends me a message, hey, says that. You know, that church just sort of pointed out when we drove by. Just come back to my mind. He said, I remember going there 40 years ago, and they were having a yard sale. That's all he said in his text. He sent me a text that said that. In case you think there's deep communication that happens between us sometimes. There, there, there you just got it. And uh, that was the communication. And my response was, Interesting. <laughs> I'll go see if I can pay a visit. That was it. Now, I did pay a visit the next day, and you, I sent you that short excerpt from it. I did not get to talk to the people today that I hope to, uh, just because I ended up in one meeting after another, after another, after another today. And uh, I thank God for that. I don't have time to walk through those and different things. Uh, but we'll talk to them, and we'll see what God intends now, why did I tell you that? I wanted you to know some more of the story based on what you heard Sunday and what I'm talking about right now. Here's what I would have done in the past if I wasn't careful. The human element would have said, how come I didn't? feel a response to that building when he first pointed it out. Why did I need a message from him about going to a yard sale 40 years ago for that to prompt something in me? That's very simple and subtle, isn't it? 
But sometimes our human nature will do that and we'll start to question, well, how come? Why? Here's what I know. I don't have to know why God did it that way. Bishop recognized something and he tied it to a yard sale 40 years ago. And when he shared that thought, it registered something in my spirit. Well, how come God didn't just tell me about it and say, why don't you go to this building? I don't know why. I don't care. Who he uses and how he uses. See, this is the thing. Here's what I feel like the Lord is trying to teach us. We have to be content to work together in the body for the kingdom without needing to compete for spots. Or recognition or knowledge, right? Some people use knowledge and they hold it back because they all say knowledge is power. We're not competing for knowledge. We're not competing for who has what piece of information, right? So it may, no, 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 push that out. We just want to flow and work together in whatever part and place. Is this making sense? Pray with me right now before we go a little further. We, this is, I know this is a simple concept, but we've got to get this in our spirit so the Lord can use each one of us however he will. And he'll use it all for his glory, and it will all work together. But sometimes when God's using us, we don't see how it fits. We just got to do our part, not look at the other, not try to measure, but do our part. Rejoice in how God uses one until he brings understanding of how it all fits together. Let us flow and operate from you, the head, each part of the body functioning as we ought to for the furtherance of the gospel, for the increase of the body, to the edifying of itself in love. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. You've heard the statement made by Bishop and others several times. Each part is significant. The adverse of that, what happens is the adversary wants to make you think your part isn't significant. What if, what if Mary would have said, well, how come I'm just running and telling them? Shouldn't I? I mean, I saw it. Shouldn't I be the ones telling everybody else? How come I just told Peter and John? No, no. Her part was significant. That was her part. There's more to the story, I'm sure. We don't know it all. But that was her part, and it was significant. Every part is significant. I just want to fulfill my part. And day to day, it will evolve. Day to day, there will be different engagements and encounters, and we each fulfill our part. And we have peace in that. And so I'm saying, what is my part in, what is my function in relationship to my brother? What is my function in relationship to my sister? How are we aligned spiritually? We should be aligned with the head. How are we aligned spiritually? And you know what will try to destroy that and hurt that? Comparison. We've talked a lot about that. I'm not going to talk more about that tonight. So help me, Lord. Our feelings get hurt about something. 
You know, how many of you text? Raise your hand if you send texts. How many of you think you are a great text communicator? Come on now. Sister Mariah over here. and sister, We got two people. All right, we got a couple more now that raise their hand. People are getting braver. Okay. How many of you have ever sent a text and you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I like the way that sounds. Yeah. Now, did you mean something? Now, maybe sometimes you've typed a text and you knew exactly what it meant because you were being passive aggressive. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about there. But I mean where you're like, oh, no, I did not mean it that way. But I, oh, or you thought it was fine. It was beautifully worded. The spirit in which you meant and the person who read it was like. And you're thinking, how in the world did they get that out of that? Anybody? Okay, so I use that example because we all send texts. Okay, I, this is not an exaggeration and this is not a boast. This is a pray for me. I probably get 300 plus messages a day. I wish I was exaggerating. <laughs> and it, it's just the way it goes. And so, just to be clear, that's not the church all the time. I don't want you guys to think, my goodness, somebody wearing him out. No, 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 no. no. So, church, family, job, different, connect, different, beyond the local congregation. I didn't want you thinking, whoa, poor pastor, somebody working him over. So, pray for me. But, okay. Uh, but I use that example because, right? We, we don't always communicate well in texts, okay? Some of you have personally let me know. Elder, forgive me. I'm not so good with texting, but I... And so you know what? Here's something I've learned. You didn't think we were going to have church to talk about texting tonight, did you? But here we are. Talking about unity in the body and the function of the body and the work and things that will try to disrupt it. text message sent with no ill intent, no maliciousness, no impure motive, but it comes to you and maybe you got a little something in your crawl. Do you guys understand that southern word, in your crawl? Okay, got a little something in your, in your spirit, something bugging you, and that message comes to you and you read into it more than there is. How does that happen? I'll tell you what's happening. The adversary's trying to, if I can get a little division, if I can get a little schism, if I can get a little angst. You know what I've learned, and I do my best. I haven't got this figured out. I'm as human as you are. But here's what I've learned. When I read a message and it hits me the wrong way, I try to step back and go, I'm going to give my brother and sister the benefit of the doubt. I really, really tr I try to do that. I'm not always successful. Sometimes I've got to go find an altar and talk to God about it. Because sometimes I pick up spirits in your words, not yours, but somebody's words when they text. But I still want to give the benefit of the doubt. I use that one example because it's an example all of us can relate to. 
And so we have to be aware of that so those little things don't come and disrupt us. The little foxes spoil the vine. Well, somebody knew I was sick, but they didn't call me. I'm sorry, we should have. Or here's a crazy thought. We did not know. That shouldn't be so funny, but it is. You know, I'm talking about unity. I'm not just rambling. This is, we need to guard ourselves so that we protect what God is doing and how he's leading us. All right? And I believe in gifts of discernment. I really, really do. But I can tell you communication goes a lot way, a long ways. You know, sometimes if you're not careful, you start thinking, well, elders should know. Well, why should I know? Well, they should just know. If he prays, God should tell him. Well, you know what? Maybe you should tell me. I don't, what are we doing here? I, is this too simple? I, I'm, I'm just talking about guarding against little things that would try to come in. These are the ways the adversary would try to. Look, we pray for one another, but we don't know everything going on in everybody's lives. Any of us as the body. I'm not just talking about me. Any of us. And, and we don't need to know everything going on in everybody's lives. Amen? <laughs> but we pray for one another. We give one another the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because we are working together for the same thing. We're working to see the kingdom of God advanced in the earth. And so as we continue to walk this road, we have to be aware of these things and we guard our spirit against any, hold on a minute, that's trying to get me sideways. I'm not doing that. Hold on, that's trying to affect my spirit towards my brother, toward my, no, I'm not giving that room. Well, but maybe they meant it. Maybe they did. But I'm going to, by the grace of God, humble myself and I'm going to seek to see this situation whole because we're going somewhere. I'm not letting anything get in my spirit that would deter me from the kingdom's work. And so if I get a little rubbed, I'm going to fix it at an altar of prayer. I'm going to put it back under the blood. If I need to, I'm going to go to my brother. I'm going to go to my sister in here after I've gone to the altar. I'm going to go to the Lord first. I'm going to leave some things at the altar. I'm going to leave my gift there at the altar. Then I'm going to go to my brother and my sister. And I'm going to assume the best. Why? Because it's my brother. It's my sister. Oh, yeah, but I know them. Okay. Let him that is without sin cast the... Oh, no, wait. I want to assume the best. We, we have to... Because God's doing something with us. Okay? So he's taking us somewhere. He's the head. He's leading us. And we want to go. I think I want to share some scriptures. That was a whole lot more than I thought. I'm aware of the time. I'm going to be cognizant. But I feel like I want to share. I want to shift gears now, okay? 
Go with me quickly to the book of Psalm chapter 23. Psalm 23, familiar scriptures. Amen. I was grinning at my wife there because it's starting to get warm in here and we were all cold when we first got here tonight. So, thank you, Lord. Watch with me quickly. Please hear the word of the Lord tonight. I feel like this is important for, for some and in some ways for all. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everything else in this passage hangs on that verse. The Lord has to be your shepherd. You have to make that, you have to come to that conclusion in your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I have a question for you. What does a shepherd do? Don't overthink it. What does a shepherd do? Watches sheep, guards the sheep, cares for the sheep. All these things for the sheep. Yes? I read somewhere he's the good shepherd. Yeah. I read somewhere else he's the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. You read those words? So you got to settle this somewhere along the way. You I, not just memorize it. I know many people remember. You got to settle this in your heart and your spirit in relationship with God, not head knowledge in your personal relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. If he's my shepherd, I'm his sheep. He cares for his sheep. He protects, he covers, he corrects, he instructs, he loves, but he cares for the sheep and he's my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I shall not That's a statement of confidence in the shepherd, not a statement in the sheep's ability to provide for himself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's a little story of a little boy quoting it when he was asked about Psalms 23. He said, I don't know it all. This is all I know. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. It's a pretty good version. Not trying to change the word, but verse two, this is what the shepherd does. The Lord, your shepherd, he makes you lie down in green pastures. That doesn't always sound like something you want to do. Anybody like being made? Anybody like somebody making you do something? He makes you lie down in green pastures. You know, sometimes you're going, 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 and you haven't got time for him. He says, you know what? I can make that back and just sort of go out, and you can't move for a week or two. I don't know where that came from. I'll make you lie down. Shepherd. He makes you lie down in green pasture. He leads me. Besides still waters. Now, I want you to notice something about that verse, and we'll go to the next one. He makes me lie down. He leads me by. Here's what it doesn't say. He force feeds me, and he makes me drink. He'll take you to the pasture. He'll take you to the water. But you have to make the choice to eat where he puts you and to drink where he leads you. 
verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. This is important. He doesn't lead me in the paths of righteousness for my own good. I mean, of course, it's for my own good. But he does it for his own name's sake. How he leads you and I is tied to him preserving the reputation of his name. That's how important it is to the shepherd. Watch the next verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What? I will fear what evil? What about the evil in the school system? What about the evil of Hollywood and its... What about the evil of other people that I don't know? What about the evil of those strangers that showed up at my Bible study? What... what? What evil will we fear? Hmm. Why will we not fear evil? Because the Lord's my shepherd. And why will I not fear evil? For you are with me. Who's with me? Shepherd. There's nowhere I go. The shepherd is not. There's nowhere my children go that the shepherd is not. There's nowhere my wife goes that the shepherd is not. I will fear no evil. Why? Because my shepherd is with me. His rod and his staff comfort me. What does the rod do? Now, I know we think rod of correction. That's for children. That's not what it's. The rod of the shepherd, it may be to gently prod the sheep. It wasn't to beat them up. But the rod was also to fend off things that would try to attack or harm the sheep. The shepherd would use the rod to ward off someone that, a, a wolf, let's say, that would try to, the shepherd would use the rod as a, to protect the sheep. And the staff would be, had the crook on it, right? The, the staff, he could reach out and he could pull the sheep to himself or out of danger's way. The psalmist is saying, I'm not afraid of evil. The reason I'm not afraid of evil is the shepherd's with me. And the shepherd's got a rod and a staff. That rod and that staff that the shepherd have, they bring comfort to me. Where? Even if I'm walking in the valley of the shadow of death, I don't even fear. Because the shepherd's with me. Now watch. We're, we got to hurry. Chapter 27. Stay in the Psalms. We'll go quick. Chapter 27, verse 1. David is writing again. The Lord is my light and my salvation or my Savior. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. What? Here's what David just said. I'm going to give you a 2023 translation English, okay? The Lord is my light and my salvation. I ain't afraid of nobody. The Lord is the strength of my life. There's no one I need to be afraid of. David is not declaring like, Okay, I'm superhuman and I'm invincible now because he doesn't have this arrogance about his spirit. He has a confidence in who God is to him and who he is to God. And because of that, he does not fear men, what they could do to him. He does not fear evil, what it could do to him, because he understands I'm in the hands of the shepherd. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my strength. My confidence is in the Lord. There will be things that will try to put fear in my life, but I've already determined he who holds me is greater than that which would try to bring fear to me. He who covers me is greater than any element that would come against me. He said, though a host would encamp against me, My heart will not fear. Why? Because I'm all that? No, no. Because he's all that. We got to get our our eyes redirected. There are things that are going to come in the days ahead that the adversary would try to use to strike fear into the hearts of the people of God. Why? He doesn't care if you... He's not trying to get you to stop serving God. He's just trying to get you to not obey the direction of God. Paralyze you. Paralyze you. God forbid. I will not fear. Psalm 46. We could read a lot of verses. We're just jumping a ton. Psalm 46. Watch this. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Now, some of you, you got to believe the word of God. You're in trouble. It doesn't say he's really late to show up and he might make it or he might not. So just hang in there. No, no. He is a very present help. That means he's there. You don't have to be afraid of anything. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the seas, And though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. Pause for praise. He's saying, though all these things happen, I'll not fear. I promise you. The scripture tells us that in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Why would this happen? I'll tell you why. 
because evil will wax worse and worse. I'll tell you what, there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes in diverse places. There will be disasters across the globe. There will be news that can trouble the heart. There will be fear that will come that will grip the hearts of men. And men's hearts will fail them for fear. That is the word of the Lord. But we are not just any men or women. We are children of the Most High God. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He cares for his sheep. He cares for his own. He cares for his own. Under the shelter of his wing he will hide me I will not fear what man can do to me there's got this isn't about being man I ain't afraid of nothing this is not that you understand this is about recognizing hold on I know who I belong to I'm not going to give in to the voice of the adversary that would try to get me to begin to walk or operate in fear now I'm going to tell you this subtlety that comes it's like well I I just got to be cautious I I believe in caution and wisdom. But I got to put my heart before the Lord and go, is my word of caution just another word? But I got this thing that's sort of trying to put fear in me. So I'm. Peter got out of the boat. Nobody else did. Peter was the only one getting closer to Jesus. But it doesn't make sense. I know, but he's my shepherd, and I heard his voice. I'm going to where the shepherd is. Okay, we got to move. Psalm 56, a few more places here. Watch this. Psalm 56, verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. You ever feel that way? He'd swallow me up. He, who's this man, fighting daily, oppresses me. My enemies, verse 2, daily would swallow me up. This isn't just something I deal with every once in a while. It seems like sometimes it's daily they would swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me. Sometimes it's going to feel that way as a child of God. Now, we don't wrestle flesh and blood. But it will feel that way. They be many that fight against me, O thou most high. But watch verse 3. What time I am afraid. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to look at the circumstance. I'm not going to look at the enemy that's coming against me daily. I'm not going to look at these things that are trying to press on my thoughts and my mind and my heart. Trying to war and rob me of peace. I'm going to trust in you, Lord. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. I'm telling you, this has been screaming in my spirit. I left the house at 3.30 on Tuesday morning to go to Olympia. And I got onto Highway 12. I just made that turn going towards Rimrock. And man, the Lord just started dealing with me. And I started coming against the spirit of fear. And what was interesting, I, I wasn't afraid. But I felt like fear was trying to begin to grip the hearts of men and the people of God. And I felt like as I was praying, the Lord was saying, some people are leading from a place of fear. Did you know you can lead from a place of fear? Now, it can be one of two ways. You can try to put fear into people 
to get them to do something. I did that every once in a while as a parent. If you don't, I will. Right? Right? I want them to be afraid. A little healthy fear is not bad that way. But you can operate and lead from a place of fear. That's not the kind I'm talking about, about putting a little fear in people. I'm talking about leading from a place of fear where my leading and my instructing is, I'm afraid of what could happen if I don't. I'm afraid of what could happen if I don't. I'm afraid of what could happen. You know, I use the example, I could put a little fear in my kids to get them to do something when I was younger. If you don't, this will be the result. Okay, I don't like the result. I'm afraid of that result, so therefore I'll obey. Or I could also begin to lead my children and direct them because of fears I have. And so now I'm parenting my kids from my place of fear. Does that make sense? I had life experiences that weren't all positive when I was a child, as many of you. And so what I had to realize is I could begin to lead my children from a place of my fears of my life experiences. And that wasn't fair to my kids. Because they grow up going, well, I don't understand. And they start develop. They don't even realize why. They have fear starting to work in their spirit, and they don't know why. I'll tell you why. Because I have led them from a place of my fears. And here we are. Well, we'll get back to this in a second. can't do that we need the wisdom of the Lord we need soundness of judgment and decision making that comes from God but fear cannot be a motivator in my leading as a parent as a husband as an elder as a leader in the workplace I love should be the motivator this makes sense. I know people, not necessarily here, but I know people whose marriages are built on fear. And they invest in their spouse, not from a basis of love, but a basis of wanting to hold on out of fear that they could leave. And so their actions are motivated by fear. Is this making any sense? There, let God touch your heart and mind. Fear should not be a motivator in our lives. He's our shepherd. He's our shepherd. He loves us. What verse are we on? Fast forward. Let's just a couple more. Psalm 102. Watch this. Now we're going to turn here now. We're going to make a turn. I want you to see this turn in the scripture. We just read it. We just read these four places in the Psalms. You could read a lot more in the Psalms and other places in Scripture. But you were I wanted to use those Psalms because those are all one man. Those were one man's life. Those were from David. David was declaring again and again and again and again. Watch this. Psalm 102 and verse number 12. Psalm 102, verse 12. Watch this. 
But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever. And your remembrance to all generations. You shall arise and have mercy upon Zion. Now we know in the Old Testament, Zion is symbolic of the church. You shall arise and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. I know we've read these verses before. I feel them as strongly now as I've ever felt them in my life. The time to favor her, the church. Yea, the set time is come. Now, do you think for a minute that the Lord's going to begin in a great measure in the earth to show his favor to the church and the adversary's just going to sit back and not try to do something to deter what God is doing through the church? Of course he is. I will not be afraid. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not fear what man can do. And though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Hear me. The Lord is taking us somewhere. He's taking his church. It's a kingdom work where he's leading us. And the adversary will rise up and there will be things that will oppose. And David said, though the enemy encamp about me as a host, I will not fear. we got to be sure of our calling and walk in it, having a confidence in him who is leading. So what? The time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. Your servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. Watch verse 15. Watch the change. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord. And all the kings of earth, it's understood, it's implied, all the kings of the earth shall fear your glory. I have a question for you. Where is the glory of the Lord going to be revealed? Where? The church. Do you know why I believe the kings of the earth will fear the glory of the Lord that's on the church? Because no king will be able to control it. They will try to suppress it in some places, but the glory of the Lord will continue to be revealed. They will try to hold it back. They'll try to control it. They'll try to destroy it, but they will not be able to, and the glory of the Lord will continue to be revealed. And kings who had power and authority will recognize and witness, this is greater than us. This is not a work of man. This must be a work of God. We're opposing something that's supernatural, and all the kings of the earth will fear the glory of God. I'm telling you, we're coming into this hour, and so we cannot be dismayed by the adversary's tactics. We have to know who we are, walk in the power and the authority, of the spirit and recognize the Lord is my shepherd I belong to him he covers me I'll walk in his calling I'll go where he leads me I'll not be concerned with circumstance I have the hand of God upon my life Jesus in your name watch all the kings of the earth will fear your glory when the Lord shall build up Zion he shall appear in his glory he will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come. And the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. I just got to tell you, I believe that's us. For he hath looked down, the Lord's looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth. Why? To hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose those that are appointed to death, and to declare the name of the Lord in Zion. Amen. I'm telling you, the fear will turn. 
The adversary would try to bring fear upon the church, but the church will not fear. And the Lord will cause his glory to be upon the church, and fear will come upon the heathen and the leaders of nations. This is the word of the Lord. Isaiah 51. Jesus in your name. Isaiah 51, you probably noticed I left Psalms. Verse 11. You really are getting a condensed version. Watch. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord. Who's that? The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I, even I, am he, the Lord is speaking here. I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man that shall die? This is the Lord talking. And of the Son of Man, which shall be made as grass. And you forget the Lord, your maker, that has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundation of the earth and has feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy. <laughs> you see what the Lord's saying here? Why should you be afraid of a man that's going to die? Have you forgotten the Lord that made you? The Lord that stretched out his hands, stretched out the heavens? And yet you feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy you? Where's this fury of the oppressor at? If he could destroy you. He would have already done it. I heard somebody share something the other day. It was the word of the Lord. It pierced through my spirit. He told a testimony of how years ago, the enemy started bombarding him with thoughts. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to, this is going to happen to you. You're going to, all these things, you're going to, you're going to just, all these bombardments about his life coming to him and all these things happening to just all this. And it was just, he was re reeling from stuff and all these thoughts bombarding him. And he was like, man, he was going on and just he, like talking to God about it, not wanting, knowing what to do, just talking to God, didn't know why, starting to think, man, maybe something's wrong. Maybe I. And the Lord spoke to him and said, why do you think the enemy's telling you all that? If I was going to allow him to do that, do you think he'd take the time to tell you that over and over and not just do it? Did he ever tell Job what he was going to do once I gave him permission to touch Job?
where's the fury of the oppressor? Watch. I don't know what verse that is. 13. Watch verse 14. The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. But I am the Lord your God that divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. We got to know who we are. Stand with me today. You can quote all the verses. It's Paul writing to Timothy. He told Timothy, he said, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul writing to the church at Rome said, we're not called to be in bondage again to fear. He didn't loose us so that we could walk in bondage to fear again. You know, I could, I keep coming back to this. Maybe it's these boys sitting right here on the front. It's making me think about this. I don't know. Not just thinking about kids, not picking on these guys. I could have my children so afraid of falling back into sin that they live their life in fear for God. By the grace of God, I don't think we raise them that way. But we could have them so afraid of making a mistake and never getting back, or so afraid of... We shouldn't live like that as children. We're not meant to live that way as children of God. We're meant to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen? You say, are you saying you can't fail? Of course I'm not saying that. But I'm not going to live my life in fear of failing. I lived enough of my life that way, Brother Joel. And it's too late to live that way any longer. Why not live in faith of victory rather than fear of failure? If the Lord's for us, who can be against us? I can't help but think of Acts 2 and 42 or 43. The Bible says when the Holy Ghost was poured out and Peter preached his message, it makes this statement, and great fear came upon every soul. What happened? That's a good kind of fear. It reached out and laid hold of people that they had to respond. It's the same thing that happened when Ananias and Sapphira did their deal and the Lord dealt with them. Great fear came upon the church. They responded. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now before we go? 
You know where you are in relationship to God. And I believe you being here. I know God wants to use you. I don't know every circumstance and situation that you're facing. Some of you, this may be very personal tonight because of things you know right now that maybe you've been dealing with. For some of us, this is simply because of what's ahead. And the Lord wants to posture us so we don't give in to that. But could we cast all on him who is our shepherd? In the name of Jesus... In the name of Jesus, we take authority over the spirit of fear. We pray the perfect love of God. I pray the spirit of love and of a sound mind. The spirit of God that is our strength. You are our shepherd. You care for us like no one can. We walk in faith in you, Lord Jesus, in your leading. We walk in confidence in you and your leading. Your hand is upon my life. Your hand is upon my marriage. Your hand is upon my children. Your hand is upon the people of God. We are your church. We are your people. You have made us, not us ourselves. You've shaped us and formed us and fashioned us. You have an end and a design set upon our life. And though the adversary may try to oppose, yes, we'll oppose. You are greater. You are greater. Our confidence is in you. Our trust is in you. Our hope is in you. We declare you our shepherd, the God of our salvation. You are strong tower. You're our very present help. You are our confidence, oh God. In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Come on, you don't have to leave here like you came tonight. You don't have to leave with those things hanging over your head or your life or your spirit. The Spirit of God is here to set at liberty.